mano a mano live. Cuéntame, mi negro. Mano a Mano live Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I believe it's 1 a.m. Tuesday morning in the UK for all of our uh, people joining us from out there. Kenny T up in the building. What's good, familia? Cooling, brother. You already know, man. Ready to have a good show. Couple good fights this weekend. Nothing too crazy. Great fight coming up. Lots to talk about, lots to say, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, look, we're coming to you live and direct from NYC. Me from the Bronx, New York. Kenny from Uptown Manhattan on Washington Heights. Be the place. And uh, we're super happy to be here with you tonight because we got a lot to talk about. Before we get started, though, I want to salute those that were here real early Roberto Santoro was in the house early. JC was up in here. Jay Lanks here. Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, the acclaimed all-time great manager. Can't believe he's a fan of me. You know, big guy, Manchester United. Uh, well, at least let's pretend that's who it is. A Puerto Rican, Rome is over here, as is the godfather of soul, Mr. Black and Proud, James Brown is here with us as well. Look, let's get started, all right, uh, because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, the GOAT Mario P and James Brown, uh, they've already alluded to the topic that we're going to start out with. Kiko Martinez with the super impressive KO. Uh, let's talk about him real quick, Kenny, because he went out to England, to Sheffield, to be exact, to the north of England, to Yorkshire, and got a brutal stoppage of the acclaimed kid Galahad, who I felt had been robbed when he fought Josh Warrington. He got a second crack at the title, IBF uh, featherweight title. And in his very first defense, literally got laid out flat uh, by Kiko Martinez. I'm sorry uh, to the fans of a certain um, Spanish fighter out there. You know, we won't necessarily start the show with that. But um, Kiko, to me, is the uh, now definitively the second best Spanish fighter of all time. Um, Castillejo uh, being the first. Um, but Kenny, what were your thoughts on the brutal knockout? Bro, he was looking short. He was looking strong. He was looking slow, uh, com- at least compared to Kid Galahad, who was throwing good combinations. But uh Man, Kiko kept coming forward, and Galahad was trying to throw lots of punches, punches and bunches to try to keep him off of him, and at the end of the day, it just didn't work. A couple moments, got a little sloppy. He was getting tired, breathing hard, and Kiko went in there, and he landed the punch that he was trying to land the entire fight, and that power definitely rocked Kid Galahad. Uh, It was one of those one-punchers that we don't get to see too often. No, you're right. And um, look, let's be honest. You know, uh, you don't always see brutal KOs like that in the lower weight classes. Definitely not at the championship level. Uh, But for a guy who was coming in pretty unheralded, uh, people were actually criticizing Matchroom, which some people have relabeled Rematchroom, given the fact that they're constantly giving their guys rematch clauses. And we'll see if Kid Galahad takes a rematch clause after this fight. Uh, But... You know, this was a hand-picked opponent. Uh, they hand-picked Akiko Martinez. Uh, Spanish fighters are not usually um, known, um, you know, in the elite levels of boxing, like I've alluded to. There have been two major ones, uh, Castillejo and, and now Martinez, who held the title at 122, is now a two-weight world champion. Others might mention another one. You know, I got a little bit of heat for that. You know, when I brought up Don Quixote and some other things. And we'll get into some quotes later on in the show because, you know, uh, people seem to believe, at least JC does, that I'm shook from all the pressure. Not really. Uh, But, yeah, 
it was an impressive performance. And what's interesting, too, is that, look, he caught him the round before the knockout right at the end. And that itself looked like a knockout punch. Galahad was in the corner with his trainer, uh, Brendan Ingle. Or is it Dominic Ingle? I always mix up the two. I'm pretty sure it's Dominic Ingle. Brendan Ingle is the father who trained Prince Nazim Hamed and others. And it looked like he was going to be able to recover. Um, it looked like he'd probably need to settle his, his legs for like a round, maybe half a round. And for whatever reason, he came out in that southpaw stance. I was talking about this with Joe Habib right after the knockout. Like, I don't know why he came out in a southpaw stance um, because he got caught with a straight right and he took another straight right and was literally flattened um, and sent to, to, to Dream Street. So he goes back. Uh, two-weight world champion, very impressive performance. I would consider it to be one of the upsets of the year uh, so far, a leading contenders for upset of the year in this 2021. And we'll see where Kiko goes from here. I mean, when you look at the other world champions in the division, you know, do I think he'll beat Navarrete? No. Uh, do I think he'll beat Gary Russell Jr.? Probably not. Uh, I, I, not even probably not. I'd say no as well. Um, Leo Santa Cruz, I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen Leo very much. He's still a title holder at 126, if you can believe that. Then you've got Lee Wood, who's got the regular title that he took from Zen, uh, Yan Zhu earlier in the year. If I'm, if I'm, uh, and it's tough because the IBF makes fighters, uh, and really, uh, defend their mandatories, um, Maybe you just go to mandatory route. Uh, maybe you get an optional defense and then some mandatories. Luckily for Tim, the number one and number two in the IB, uh, IBF are currently unrated. But uh, if you guys remember Mauricio Lara, who went out to England and destroyed uh, Josh Warrington, that is a good fight. Kiko's always in interesting fights. Chat, let me know what you think about that. Lara Martinez, is that a fight you'd be interested in? Before I get your opinion, Kenny, on where Kiko might go from here, I want to salute Thomas Jones. Uh, let's get that again. Let's do it right. All right, Thomas Jones. It's nice and loud this time. Um, salute, Maestro. Kenny T in the chat. Yeah, thank you so much for joining in, Thomas. Big fan of the show. Big supporter of the network. Uh, HCP, that is. And uh, really appreciate you uh, sending that super chat. You know, it helps out with the tech. It helps out with some of these paper. That's literally all I invest uh, these super chats into. Still paying off the mixer and the other equipment. And look, I really appreciate the support. Kenny, uh, 126, what, what do you think about Kiko and his chances against the top level at 126? Um, I don't think his chances are great, although he's done great work to come back. He said three years of no drinking, straight training, being pushed by his wife away from his family. Got to give him props. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he competes with those other guys, but if I was him, that's what I would do. I would go for greatness. I'd go, listen, go out with a bang. The man is old, you know. If you're going to do something, go for greatness. Go, go, go for the legendary status. I agree. And, uh, Santoro, we're going to get to some of the other fights later on. Uh, did you happen to see the undercard of, of the fight, um, of that fight, Kenny? Because it was a pretty exciting a female fight there. Um, new world champion at 130 um, or 135, I believe, in uh, the bomb, bomb partner. Um, you know, I mean, she she did really well. Um, Baumgartner did actually, in uh, just absolutely, you know, showing up with confidence and uh, looking. Honestly, they were mentioning this in the broadcast, but I I don't want to sound sexist, but I think those who watch the sport kind of know what I mean. Um, she was fighting like a man, you know what I mean? And by that, I mean she was throwing heavy power shots with mean intentions. Oftentimes, if um, you watch female boxing, you'll notice that because they're two-minute rounds um, and because they're shorter fights, the emphasis is usually on volume punching. And um, Baumgartner went out there literally throwing bombs. Um, you know, it, it, Alicia Baumgartner, she's the new 130-pound champion, um, and, and she went out there and she did her thing. 
you know, again, what was also impressive about this whole performance was that both her and Martinez were fighting not just in their opponents' home countries, but in their opponents' hometowns and town areas in, in Yorkshire, England, and both got the, the KO. Uh, what were your thoughts on Alicia Baumgartner before we get to the other fights, uh, Kenny? I thought she looked very strong. I thought she had a very good form. Uh, but then again, uh, thanks to a couple of uh, the girls on this network, uh, I had known about her from before because I see them pointing her out on their Twitters all the time. So I had known about her, had done some research on her, and I knew she was a beast. You know, she has one loss, uh, but still, she came back like a savage. She looks good. Her form is real good. She's real long. She's powerful, man. She's look. She's looking like the truth out there. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. And again, rematch room, um, match room, that is. It's going to be interesting to see if um, Terry Harper and Kid Galahad exercise those rematch clauses. Uh, maybe, they'll do, maybe they'll do the rematches uh, in Yorkshire again. Uh, they'll likely be even bigger if they do it as a double header again, um, you know, because they'll have that history there for both of those fighters. And I think it would be a huge show if those two can rebound with some confidence. Let's get to a second super check, Kenny. Sly Tendencies 87. He says, shout out, my man, maestro. Shout out to you, brother. Appreciate the super chat. We've got another one coming in from Big Brian, the boxing historian himself. Canelo versus Benavides in May. Thank you, Brian. Yep, we're going to get into that one later on in the show. And um, I think that was that was that was it for now for the Super Chats. Want to salute everyone in the chat yet again. So, look, let's go out um, to the West Coast now. Right. Like Biggie did going back to Cali. Um, We had the Mungia Rosado fight taking place in Anaheim, um, I believe. Um, it was in Anaheim. Um, Mungia going into this fight was the favorite. I thought that that was fair. Uh, I didn't really believe that Rosado was going to win this fight. I didn't really think he had much of a chance of winning this fight. And sometimes you really just got to read between the, the leaves, guys, or the trees or the grass or whatever the expression is. I don't know the exact term right now. But... This was a hand-picked opponent that Golden Boy selected for Mungia to look good against, and he looked good against him. It was a guy who had been campaigning at 168 pounds, who they got to come down to 160 for a payday and a chance to fight on the zone. He took advantage of it, uh, coming off a win that I felt was kind of overinflated against Beck the Bully, a 7-0 up fighter who was playing a, a can of whoop-ass, as Stone Cold used to say, on, on Rosado before going in reckless and getting cold clocked. That knockout going into the fight did not uh, lead me to believe that Rosado was going to lay hands severely on Munguia. And the fact is, he didn't. Uh, he went in with 13 losses. He left with 14 losses. He put up a good effort. Even if the scorecards were wide, as uh, El Chido Boxeo uh, says, um, the fact is... El Chido, he won. Munguia did. And unlike Gabe Rosado, I don't actually think that Rosado won the fight. Um, I don't think he came close to winning the fight. Uh, I don't know what made him think that he won or was close to winning the fight. You know, um, I thought it was a clear, decisive victory for Munguia. Even when Rosado landed, Munguia would outland him in terms of volume. Um, and would, in my opinion, win most of those rounds. So, Kenny, what were your thoughts? And then we'll kind of look through the chat and see what the chat's saying about it. Um, look, as you said, uh, Rosado's getting beat, beat up pretty badly by Beck the Bully in his last fight. He won that fight with a puncher's chance, you know. One lucky shot that ended up landing in the right spot with just enough power to put the man down. He was trying to land that shot against Munguia. That was his only game plan. Um, I don't think Rosado's 
not hating on his work ethic and all the effort he puts in, but I don't think that Rosado's really good enough to beat anybody at the top uh, at the moment as it is. And I, do, I don't think that Munguia looked as good as people are saying. Uh, if you ask me, Munguia should have won that fight by knockout. Uh, Munguia shouldn't have won that fight by a tired, very tired 12-round decision. <laughs> uh it shouldn't you know he should have definitely won that fight by knockout uh it, somewhere between rounds nine and eleven you know tire him out and drown him in the in 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 the deep waters but mungia won by decision uh mungia i don't think has looked as good with uh, the knockout power and all the stuff that they big him up to be uh as of late in his later fights as he stepped uh, slightly up in competition We'll see what happens when he really steps up in competition. The only thing that I see that Munguia really ha- seems to have is uh, a good chin, throws a lot of punches. Uh, his power doesn't seem to translate now to these bigger weight classes. I haven't really seen him beating on anybody big and bad or knocking them out, you know. And he was the bigger man between him and Rosado. Rosado should have been KO'd. That's my opinion. Uh, but, you know, um, he won the fight, whatever. But Rosado did make him look a little uncomfortable in certain spots with tying him up and using the old man veteran moves as he should have. He did that good, and it is what it is. Uh, I expect him to get to win this fight from the beginning. I don't know. It, it, this is just one of those, let me get this name on my record and get a little more experience, a couple more rounds on, under my uh, belt type of fights, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, uh, look, where does Munguia go from here? It's an interesting question. You know, and I asked the question, so maybe I'm biased, but I think it's an interesting question. I don't really think uh, Gabriel Rosado really goes anywhere from here, to be honest. And I'm not really trying to discredit him at all in that regard. But, I mean, I think at best at this point you could label Rosado a journeyman, borderline gatekeeper. Um, Kenny? Journeyman? Not gatekeeper. If if anything, if I was him, uh, I'd keep doing exactly what he's doing. Uh, getting whatever fights he can get, whether it's win, lose, or draw, staying active until, you know, it's time for the man to retire. Or just retire. The man has taken a lot of punishment in his time. We do not need another victim to Parkinson's. Uh, it is what it is. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my screen uh, really quick. And... Uh... I'm going to let people see kind of what I'm looking at uh, when it looks when we're talking about where Mungia may go uh, from here. You know, if we go to the rankings, courtesy here of boxing scene, uh, what you'll see at the 160 pound division where Mungia currently is campaigning is that he is ranked number one by the WBC. He's ranked number one by the WBO. So you've got Andrade with the WBO. You've got Charlo with the WBC. And he's ranked, believe it or not, behind Sergio Martinez at the WBA. Don't exactly know how that happened. Um, Along with uh, Mogamed uh, Nadiev and Chris Eubank Jr. And um, with the IBF, I mean, he's ranked kind of way down there at number 12. He's not even in the top 10. So his clear path to a title okay, is essentially to take on Charlo uh, or to take on Andrade, as I see it. Uh, The thing is, with the WBC, as we saw with Dillian White, they can take forever to enforce mandatories. Uh, With the WBO, you know, that's a tricky fight in Andrade, possibly a a winnable fight, Um, but uh, it's a tricky fight for sure. You know, Murata's tied up. He's fighting Triple G in a... uh, in a unification fight. And then I guess he could take on uh, Wolsicki, uh, the Polish fighter uh, ranked with the IBF and catapult himself up there. So I don't know. There's some options there for him, Kenny, but what, what are your thoughts in terms of where you think he should go right now? Uh, if anything, I don't know. I think that right now at this point, both Jamel Charlo and Andrade beat him. Uh, he hasn't really fought anybody 
that moves as much as Andrade moves. And yeah, he does throw punches and bunches, but we also seen he gets very, very tired in the late rounds. Uh, you know, um, and I don't really see him being beating Jamal Charlo, who uh, punches with a lot of power. And as we saw in the last fight, uh, Jamal Charlo's last fight with, I forgot what his name is. Montiel. Yeah, against Montiel. Uh, he can duke it out. He can throw lots of punches and he can sustain a large beatdown, uh, has a good chin. So, you know, uh, I also see Jamal Charlo winning that fight. If anything, uh, maybe wait around a little bit for old man Triple G and get some more fame and popularity and experience off old man Triple G because Triple G is a good fighter, nonetheless, of being old. So, you know, that's the the bigger money fight and if you ask me and you know that's that's what i'd be going for i i, I hear a lot of people talking about triple g and i'm probably in the minority this <laughs> kenny but i don't know for certain if he beats murata in japan i was on h money's uh stream one of his long streams um forget what date was on it i believe it was saturday and i was essentially making that point i don't necessarily know that this 39, almost 40-year-old version of Triple G is a lock against Murata, an Olympic gold medalist who punches hard. Uh, and he's going to be fighting in his hometown in Tokyo. I understand that Triple G's been waiting and waiting for that big payday and that he's, I, I think his team kind of is looking at it as a cherry pick. Uh, but, you know, he's definitely an action fighter, much more than Charlo, sorry, than... than um, Andrade is. Uh, they clearly didn't want any any bits of Charlo because they haven't been running to that fight. And they decided that the quickest, easiest way to unification, maybe they're looking down the road and trying to see, well, maybe if we unify, we can get to Canelo that way. They decided to hedge their bets on a Murata win. I don't know if that's a locked bet. I, I don't. So if I'm Munguia, I don't just wait for Triple G. I try to stay active. Because that's another thing I think will hurt Triple G against anybody right now is inactivity, especially against high-level competition. It's been a while since he's got a quality win, uh, I think. In fact, uh, people, a lot of people think that is probably his best uh, performance of late, if you can even call it of late, was the disputed draw he got against uh, Canelo. So it's been a while since we've seen Triple G get a really high-level victory. Maybe it was the Jacobs fight. I don't know. But I, I don't necessarily think that, that the fight with with, with Murata's a lock uh, by any means. So before I get to you, thank you, G-Style Boxing, El Capitan del ACP. He's in the house. Uh, this can only be one quarterback, and it's D-Style Boxing. Uh, D-Style's hitting, saying jab the like. Yes, jab the like. Hit the notifications button. You want to get alerted when we go live. Any even when I do it by accident, uh, like I did earlier. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, hit the like button, hit the notifications button, hit that subscribe button if you are not already subscribed. This is the home of the realest boxing talk on the Internet. It is the home of HCP, and it is Monday night, so it is HCP is war and we are going to be going over to g funky boxing at the top of the hour when we are finished over here uh so those are my thoughts on a murata fight with triple g kenny and on um mungia waiting for murata I, I i wouldn't go for that and if he can't get a fight with charlo or with andrade i would go uh up the ibf rankings and take on one of those guys and try to get a top spot in the IBF. Just my thoughts. Kenny? I don't know if he'd be waiting too long for Triple G. The Triple, Triple G is supposed to fight on December 28th. And it, uh, pending a victory on December 28th, um, you know, depending how brutal of a beatdown he takes, he could potentially be ready to fight, let's say, two, three months later. But knowing Triple G, he'll want to take six months off. But, you know... That that's the potential. There is that potential. Uh, and being that Mungia just fought, he wouldn't wouldn't really be wasting much time, but a month. You know what I'm saying? So we shall see. Um, we shall see. Whatever. 
uh, either way, I think that he needs to continue climbing his challenges, and I do feel that those other two belt holders would defeat him uh because he doesn't have he hasn't faced that type of experience uh and doesn't have that type of experience in my opinion just yet but uh i do think that it is time for us to speak about the next uh major match or not I major one match. last point about this one though kenny go uh, for it of course i wanted to just make the point that i've, I've really been um happy with the work i've seen el terrible uh, eric el terrible morales doing with Jaime Munguia. I've definitely seen an improvement uh, of over the Jaime Munguia of past. Um, I was I like the way he boxed on Saturday night, and I think that Morales should get some credit for that. Uh, hey, he has he's definitely looking a lot better. He's not just going in there while Turkey throwing punches and bunches, hoping that he lands one and it hurts his opponent. He does look a lot better for sure, uh, using a lot more feints, using a, a way better uh, combination of punches. I completely agree. Definitely the combination. So, Kenny, you wanted to lead us into the next topic of the day. Go for it, fam. The next topic of the day being uh, Benavides versus Kiram. I think that's how you say his name, right? Kiram? Kyron Davis, I think. Kyron. Kyron? Yeah. All right. All right. But, yeah. Man, uh Oof, what a what a what a fight it was looking like it could have been if the referee if the corner would have just allowed it to go just a, just a, just a little longer. Um, I always like to see the knockout. You know, what I'm saying that, but even if I don't want to see anybody get hurt, although I would have liked to see the knockout. Uh, you know, Davis was definitely oversized for the dude. Uh, Davis was definitely way too long for the dude. Uh, definitely, uh, he he definitely did did. The work, uh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm definitely uh, uh, confusing names right now. But you got it backwards. You're saying, yeah, yeah. I, I think you meant that Benavides was too yeah, big. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, Davis looked like he was act exactly what he is, which is a guy who used to campaign at 147, uh, sorry, 54 pounds. That's what he should be. I mean, he should. I, what the fuck is he doing at 168 pounds, yo? Who's managing this kid? Why would you take that fight, even if it's for the payday? You could get your guy seriously hurt. Like, protect your young fighter. Like, is it really worth that much? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much he made. I don't know how much he, he would be making otherwise. But he is not a 168-pounder. I don't even think he's a 160-pounder. They, they say he's going to move back to 160 uh, after that fight, that he's going to campaign at 160. There's no way anyone in his team, including his trainer, I mean, Redman Davis, or Redman Edwards, sorry, who fights, uh, who fighters typically fight out of the Philly area. And for those of you who don't know, Delaware, where Davis is from, is not very far from Philadelphia. In fact, B-Hop moved there for the uh, lower taxes later on in his career. They, um, couldn't, they could not have believed that he had a legitimate shot at, at, at beating Benavides. Yeah, I don't see why they did that. I mean... All you're doing is showcasing your guy for what would have been a brutal KO had the corner not stepped in there and stopped the fight. What is the point? What is What are you learning from getting beat up for all of those rounds? I mean, we saw that he's tough. Okay. But other than that, what 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 did ex exactly did we see on Saturday night? Uh, nothing that he could take a beating, uh, that he has some type of counter punching skills and he showed that Benavides, uh, it takes wide open punches where he just takes the impact, but we knew that already. Benavides does take a lot of punches, although he definitely did block a hell of a lot of them with his gloves and his, uh, arms, which still does take effect if you take too much hits at anybody part, uh, but yeah, man, uh, Benavides did what he was supposed to. Um, although I don't think he looked too great in doing so, he did look a little sloppy in the body. Um, he should have KO'd the man earlier. Uh, he shouldn't have lasted that long for being such a smaller dude from smaller divisions and Benavides being the power hitter that he is. I, in my opinion, he should have KO'd the dude. Um, that's it. Uh, it was... But he did what he was supposed to do. He he, he looked good with his jab, with his straight. His, his speed looked good. His combinations looked good, although he did look like uh, he was a little uh, on the fat side and not on the muscular side, taking a little time off. 
But uh, yeah, and he did come in one pound over at 169, uh, which is like, come on, bro. Even if this is not a title fight, this is like, this is the second time. You should learn from your first time. It should never happen again, even if it's not for a title. Everything was fucked up about that situation. And I don't blame Denavides. Apparently, the contracted weight was 169 pounds. Why were you going to weigh 168 pounds if the contracted weight is 169 pounds? But why the fuck would you make the contracted weight 169 pounds when the guy you're fighting is a 154-pounder? I mean, it makes no sense. I get it. He fought above 154 pounds. I get it. Oh, my intro. Well, the last time we fought, we saw him fight against Darrell at 168. Okay. Darrell is not Benavides. And a full training camp for a fight with Darrell is not the same as a short-term notice for Benavides. Uh, they are not the same thing. Uh, I don't blame Benavides. He did what he had to do. If somebody paid me hundreds of thousands of dollars to go beat somebody up in a mismatch, I'm sorry, I'm not Mr. Morality here. I'm not going to say, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. No, I would definitely do that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, to Nando's point, Where's the quality control? How did Steven Espinosa greenlight this fight? How did a CBS, Showtime, Viacom greenlight this fight? This isn't good branding for them. This isn't good branding for Showtime Championship Boxing. That's a joke. That, that should not be taking place. Postpone the fight. It is what it is. Uh, or, or if you cannot find uh, another opponent, you know, it is what it is. Like, don't feed us shit. Or, or as I used to hear back in the day, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Because yeah, it's not. <laughs> and that's what they're doing to the boxing fans right now. Showtime, that is. D-Style Boxing with the Super Chat. He says, mano a mano with El Maestro. I'm going to add, and Kenny T. And he says, El Ejecutor. That's me, the Enforcer. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, D-Style Boxing. There's only one Capitan, and that is that. I see the boxing voice up in here. I hope that is my brother, Nestor Gibbs. Uh, might be, uh, may not be, but if it isn't Nestor Gibbs, I'm sending out a ding, ding, ding to you too as well. Thank you for supporting the channel. Thank you for supporting Maestro Our Boxing. Or maybe you're not supporting me with the next comment. It says, this guy's always mad, shaking my head. Do you love boxing at all? <laughs> Kenny, do I love boxing? <laughs> For sure loves it. <laughs> oh, boxing and, and, and Maestro Boxing and HCP loves Nestor Gibbs and the boxing voice. It's all love uh, between um, our fellow content creators. So there you go. But uh, yeah, um, let's uh, let's uh, definitely keep it moving forward with uh, Benavides and uh, what he should do next because we already know what Davis should do next, which is go back and wait. And he, he obviously has skill and has a chin. Go back down and wait and, and try to take over at 160, which is the way that he says he's going to go down to. But Benavides, David Benavides, where does he go from here, Milkar? Benavides, it's an interesting situation for him because, and I'll pull up his uh, rankings right now so that everyone can have a look at it. He's a former uh, two-time champion, as all of you know, at 168. Kenny and I have had the uh, pleasure of, of interviewing him. Very nice guy. Uh, super appreciative of the fans and also of YouTube content creators, which I, I really admire. Not all boxers uh are and and he shows up love uh so look I, I i respect the man i like what he's done most of the things that are happening to him right now in his career are uh beyond his control i cannot blame him for you know Ustakegi uh popping so to speak um or the last minute rep opponent that was you know sent his way he did what he had to do but here's where we are. We've got him at the top of the WBC rankings, number one to Saul Alvarez, who is the champion. Okay. Behind him is David Lemieux, a guy who I haven't seen much of in, in a while. Uh, Kenny saw David Lemieux absolutely destroy Curtis Showtime Stevens with me. Uh, where was that? Up in upstate New York, right at the Turning Stone, Kenny. 
was lights out that night. I mean, that was a devastating puncher, but he's behind him. Uh, and then you go across. This has to be updated, but it's Canelo, 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 Canelo. Uh, other than David Morel, who's the owner of the WBA regular title. I actually think that that might be a pretty good fight, uh, Morel Jr. and Benavides. And if Benavides is fighting the likes of the kind of opponents we've been seeing them fight recently, uh, why not take on a Morel Jr. if Morel Jr. is up for it? I mean, he's calling himself a world champ. That's PBC bragging rights right there. I've called uh, these two guys, respectively, the two best 168-pounders signed to the PBC. People are like, oh, Maestro, you're trolling. You hate Caleb Plant. Uh, not really. Uh, I just think that Morel Jr., if we're going off the eye test, uh, is a better, more complete, more talented fighter. And I think the same about uh, David Benavides, too. Here's my thing, though, Kenny, and I think this is what you're alluding to. I don't really think that Benavides, personally, as much as I like him, is right yet and ready for Canelo. And I don't think that's an insult uh, to, to, to Benavides. He's still very young. Canelo's the best uh, accomplished and most talented fighter in the sport right now. Saying that somebody's, you know, that you don't think that he's going to beat that person is not by any means an insult. But I don't really think he's ready for Canelo. You know, I hear, oh, the jab, oh, the pressure. Canelo deals with jabs. Canelo deals with pressure. Canelo actually is probably one of the best fighters in the sport at breaking down the bodies of, of longer, taller guys. And to your point, Kenny, if he doesn't catch you on the ribs or in the liver, right, he's hitting you on the arm. Just ask Caleb Plant. Definitely. <laughs> um, listen, man, I definitely uh, uh, agree with you that he may not be ready for uh, Canelo, although he is a big body. He does have a lot of reach. He does have a lot of power. Um, just doesn't seem maybe, I don't know, disciplined or experienced enough, although he says he'll get it together, whatever the case may be. Um but I don't know. The guy still has to sharpen up on defense. Uh, Canelo has a very uh, established game plan that he executes against bigger opponents. And uh, I think that with the amount of punishment that Benavides allows himself to take, he leaves himself susceptible to that game plan that Canelo, Canelo also perfectly executes. Um, I don't know. Uh, where should Benavides go next? People, I, I see people saying Jamal Charlo, but Jamal Charlo doesn't even fight at one six eight. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm always, I'm always, you know, questioning. You know, my eyebrow kind of gets raised, at least mentally, when I hear people bring up Charlo as it relates to Benavides. That fight could have already been made. Um, in fact, I remember when they were talking about it before, before, and all kind of things were coming up you know, vaccination requests and Charlo was saying that he was too, yeah, Jermall, not Jermell, uh, that he was saying that he was too too young for him. Uh, okay, but I mean, I I, I kind of think that if that fight was there to be made, it could be made. And if it's not being made, it's because people don't want it to happen. So, you know, I'll be a believer in that fight when I see more progress towards it. Uh, in the meantime, I'm looking up and down these lists and, you know, I'm looking at who are the guys in the division that are kind of guys that will fight pretty much anyone. Daniel Jacobs didn't have a great win last time when he beat uh, when he beat uh, Gabe Rosado. Maybe he might be willing to step up. Uh, John Ryder fights any absolutely anybody. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if, if he'd be willing to kind of take on the higher ups in the WBA rankings to kind of get that record. But whether it's uh, Yerbos Nuli or uh, Shvedenko or Zach Parker, I think that he's also capable of taking on the top dogs and all of the other sanctioning bodies across the board and beating those guys as well. Uh, but look, I'll, I'll ask the question in the chat. If, if you guys legitimately believe that, you know, Canelo should be his next fight, you know, we can we can post that as a potential uh question in a in a poll and see what you guys think kenny i i do think that he should still take the canelo fight don't don't get me wrong uh regardless of whether he may catch a beat down they may be susceptible to the ko game plan that canelo has established uh 
regardless of that fact, I still think he should take that fight. Listen, man, well, uh, there may not be another opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Canelo's looking like he's trying to get one more set of greatness, maybe the four belts at 175, and then maybe retire. I don't see Canelo being in the game for another 10 years. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, if Benavides is going to get a shot at fighting Canelo, it's now or in the next year or maybe never. So I do definitely think he should take the fight, regardless of him getting the beat down or not. Because, yo, that's that's like a shitload of experience, a shitload of money, um, a shitload of wisdom, bro. And that's like historical, you know what I'm saying? You fought Canelo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Whether you win or lose. Uh, but, yeah, he should definitely take the fight. Regardless of that, though, um, the time is now 8.46. We have 15 minutes left, so I do think that we should uh, move on to, uh, forward to uh, our next uh, big topic of conversation. Well, uh, if the next big topic of conversation, I think, is the big fight taking place Saturday night between Sean Porter, uh, the former champ at 147 pounds, who I've seen fight a few times live here. We've had the opportunity here in New York to see him fight at the Barclays Center. He's taken on another guy that I've seen multiple times fight here in New York, not at the Barclays, but at MSG in Terrence Bud Crawford. And look, I asked the question, is this low expectations? I mean, people had low expectations of Kiko Martinez uh, this past weekend. We saw what happened there. But then I also had low expectations, as did you, Kenny, about uh, Gabe Rosado and about uh, Tyron David in there. I'm going to be honest, I have pretty low expectations as it relates to Sean Porter. I don't think that he's going to win this fight. I think he's going to make it a bit tough because he's an elite level guy. But Terrence Crawford is, you know, beyond elite status. I mean, look, he's the elite of the elite, for lack of a better term. And when I see a guy go the distance with Thurman, with Ugas in the fight that I thought Ugas won, with Formella, with Danny Garcia, uh, and with others, I don't see him stopping Terrence Crawford. And if I don't see him stopping Terrence Crawford, I'm definitely not going to see him outboxing Terrence Crawford. So when I run the math, look, the quantitative analysis becomes clear, as does the qualitative analysis. This is a clear Terrence Crawford victory. Uh, Kenny, what are your thoughts? Listen, bro, I completely agree. This is definitely a complete Terrence Crawford victory in my eyes. Uh, I've seen people saying, well, Sean Porter is going to be his strongest, biggest opposition. Uh, and and I hear people saying that uh, uh, Sean Porter is going to be like his most difficult puzzle to solve. Uh, I don't, bro, I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, he's faced a lot of opposition, a lot of come forward, very powerful, aggressive, aggressive opposition that are taller, longer, bigger, stronger fighters than Sean Porter. Sean Porter is shorter than all the rest of these guys. And if you've seen Sean Porter's fights, whenever Sean Porter fights anyone of great caliber, he ain't knocking anybody out. He's fighting for 12 rounds. Uh, Terrence Crawford, put the man in front of him. He's going to knock the man out. Uh, it, it may not be a first uh, uh, you know, round knockout. It may take eight. 10 or 12 rounds, but he's going to knock him out. At one point or another, Terrence Crawford is going to go for that knockout, and I believe he's going to knock the man, his opponent out. He's shown that in his fights. He he goes for the kill all the time, always. Uh, And it doesn't matter if the man has an aggressive come forward uh, uh, type of uh, style. Terrence uh, Crawford eats that up. Terrence Crawford uh, uh, goes into gun battles. The, the best opposition that I've seen that Terrence Crawford had until he got knocked out was uh, uh, Brownies. I forgot his man, the man who be dishing out Brownies. Kel Brook. Kel Brook, there we go. Kel Brook was the best opposition that I've seen that Terrence Crawford had. And Kel Brook was fighting an amazing fundamental style uh, with a jab uh, that was working for him very, very well and the right that worked for him a few times. And then he fell back on the right and was only throwing the jab. 
And Ernest Crawford had trouble figuring him out because of the length and the style, the different style. But what happened to that man? The man still got knocked out. I see this being an easy, easy knockout victory uh, for Terrence Crawford. I think Terrence Crawford is going to go out there and make a statement. He's going to make a statement to, to, to Errol Spence. I knocked him out. You, you just knocked him down. This, I, see, I definitely see a knockout coming. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you. And look, I respect Nando a lot. There's few people's opinion as it relates to boxing that I respect more. And he says, you'll see, even Kavaliskas had him shaky for a minute. This is true. But if I'm also going to be fair, some of the best Terrence Crawford moments come after he's been buzzed or hurt or put mm-hmm. down. And my problem with the whole, well, you know, uh, Sean Porter's a rough and rugged dude. He's going to take it to him. You know, it's going to be a, a, an attack. It's going to be an onslaught, maestro. I'm like, well, and I'm not saying Nando's saying that. But, I mean, Jeff Horn. And let's not forget, Terrence Crawford was moving up in weight at that point and taking on a very big welterweight in Jeff Horn who had just come off a big uh, win where he had been bullying around Manny Pacquiao. He tried to play the bully box with Terrence Crawford. And what we saw is that Terrence Crawford is very physically strong, right? Uh, we also saw Kell Brook, another very big welterweight. Now people say, oh, well, my answer, he was weight trained. Yeah, he was probably weight-drained to a certain extent. But he was also a very physically strong guy, right? And Kell Brook got physically abused by Terrence Crawford uh, later on in the fight. I mean, to the point where Terrence Crawford was kind of looking through the ropes and saying, Dre, you see, I told you, they don't know how strong I am or something along those lines. Uh, those who remember the fight know what I'm talking about. So, look, his, his strength is underrated. It shouldn't be surprising. He's a former wrestler. Uh, he's adept at the grappling, ask Jeff Horn, you know, and I don't see that uh, running back slash linebacker uh, slash middle safety style of boxing really being that effective against Terrence Crawford. I see him, you know, switch hitting, throwing an uppercut, catching him. Um, You know, I think almost that they've been kind of expecting that, which is why I heard a quote or read a quote where Sean Porter said, he was going to KO Crawford during the switch hit. I, I don't really know about that. I mean, I, 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 I'm I, hoping that this fight is going to be as competitive and as entertaining as Sean Porter is out there making us believe it will be. I really do. But I do have to believe right now, just based on what I've been seeing. See, Terrence Crawford, when he fights lower-level opposition, he does what he needs to do against them right? Usually stops them. When Sean Porter fights a guy like Formella, it goes to distance. And when he fights above that level, what else happens, Kenny? It goes to distance. And I don't see him winning a distance fight against Terrence Crawford. I just don't see it. Now, we'll see if I'm wrong, but that that's that's kind of what, what, what my views are right now as it relates to that. Kenny? Listen, I agree with you, bro. Uh, he, look, Sean Porter's going to get knocked out. Um, uh, you heard it from me. Sean Porter's going to get knocked out between round 10 and 12. I, I said that. I, I'm so sure of it. And, and the fight is not going to be competitive. There's going to be a shitload of wrestling. Uh, it's going to be a great fight where you're going to see uh, a lot of punches being thrown both ways. Majority of the punches are going to be uh be getting landed by Terrence Crawford. Uh for the first let's say three or so rounds, uh I'll I'll give those rounds all to Sean Porter. After round 3, I I see Terrence Crawford starting to pour on and destroy the man and break him down. Round 10, 11, 12 is the danger zone. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be bad. I don't disagree with you. And if anyone wants to call in, we've got a few more minutes before we pass it along to G Funky and D Style Boxing for HCP Uncensored because it is Monday. It is HCP is war. I've dropped the link if anyone wants to uh, to join in. Uh, I've also, um, 
you know, open up the phone lines in case anyone wants to join in. We do have a few minutes left. Um, but before we get to that, um, I do want to get to a little something, something that I call Kenny Reacts. Okay? Kenny Reacts. Uh, we don't have any theme music for this one. Uh, Kenny is not being prepped at all. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask him to react to. We're going to get an unfiltered first time reaction to something that I'm going to put up real quick. Now, look, Kenny, you weren't here for overtime, but, um, you know, people took a little objection to a certain bit of things that I said and that you said uh, when we essentially, um, you know, I had done a stream on this and then later in the day you would come on last week on this show and we kind of agreed that this was a little bit of a clout chase. We're agreeing with Josh Taylor, right? Uh, for those of you that don't remember, um, you know, Teofimo came onto the stage, six belts. You know, I said belt gate, clout gate was over. But what can I say? The Maestro A Boxing Gmail account was flooded with requests uh, <laughs> for Kenny, Kenny's, Kenny's a reaction to this. So uh, before I bring on D-Style Boxing, why don't I just bring on D-Style Boxing? We can get D-Style Boxing here present while I, we do a little Kenny, re- Kenny reacts a session. You know, I did have someone actually, in all truth, email me this. Uh, they sent me some audio, Kenny, and they wanted us to kind of do a little analysis of the audio the audio content. So uh, we're going to get to that, um, and I'm going to play the audio right now for all of our listeners. Uh, it is audio from uh, the night that Canelo Alvarez became the undisputed 168-pound champion of the world, also becoming Man, the, the most. This is the most anticipated audio of all time. Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> also the first ever Latino to do it in the four belt era. Uh, let's see what Teofimo Lopez Senior had to say about that, Kenny. I'd like you to react. We did it first. We did it first, and we motivate even the greats. Kenny, apparently uh, they motivated Canelo. What, what are your thoughts on that? Clown shit. Clown shit. Got another one for you right here. Uh, let's uh, let's let's have a listen listen to this one. I think the only person that could be Canelo right now is like maybe four years or five years from now, my son. Reaction, Kenny? Bro, it's stupid. Like, if you're going to big Canelo up and be taking pictures and say that your comrades and pals and all so you're going to be saying stupid shit like that too. I, I, I mean, look, I'm not hating on T.O. for more his abilities, but I don't see him ever fighting Canelo. I don't see T.O. Fumo ever going up to 168 or 175 or, you know, it's, 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 it's hypothetical. Hypothetical, that sounds stupid. Four, not even in four or five years? No, bro. It's a stupid hypothetical. That aren't going to happen. He's a smaller dude. He's not going to, whatever. All right, I got one more. And this was sent again to the uh, Maestro or El Maestro Emilca Gmail account. It was flooded this weekend with comments. Here we go, Kenny. Last one. You know, like Triple G and Canelo and all these guys, they're bums, bro. They're bums. <laughs> Woo! Can, Kenny, can you react? Bro, this guy, I mean, I get it. He's all up on his son's juice. You know what I'm saying? He, he, but, yo, and he should be. That's what he should be. He's the, he's the promoter, the trainer, the father, the everything. He should be. But, damn, yo. There we go. All right, like, so like, he, he was more delusional than Sean Porter in uh, saying what's going to happen in the Terrence Crawford fight. Well, there, there you go. Uh, Kenny, great edition of Kenny Reacts. Got to ding the bell for Kenny on that one. I uh, want to shout out, um, shout out uh, the boxing voice uh, and some some people uh, who were who were able to. to Hook me up with uh, with some audio there, but uh, Disa, why don't you give us a quick preview, please, 
Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford, anything else you want to say about this weekend's past fights before we throw it over to HCP Uncensored because it is HCP. So it is HCP is Wards. HCP Uncensored. It's Monday night. Well, look, we're going to start the video. We're going to go live in a little bit. So, really quick. Uh, So, first of all, a great show, guys. You know what I mean? Now, I do want to say this, okay? Look, ATP Uncensored, we always cover the aftermath of the weekend and some of the stories of the weekend. We'll be doing the breakdown for Porter um, Crawford tomorrow on the podcast. But um, in, in, in terms of the comments, right, that were made by seniors. So I am aware of seniors' comments from years ago. It's like 2016, 2017, right? But it has been five years, right? Uh, it, it's It's been quite a while, right? And since then... Canelo has won over a lot of people. Canelo has turned water into wine. He's turned haters into, into believers, you know. And that's what Canelo has done, you know, Saint Canelo. I've seen him with a golden uh, – he has the golden, like, like, suit and the belt, and he, he has his little crown. Saint Canelo, ladies and gentlemen, he looks like a Catholic saint, okay? Like, that's what he looks like. But, so he's turned – that just shows you what Canelo has done and accomplished – and I, and I just want to go on record that I think what Diofimo Lopez has accomplished so far, lightweight, has been phenomenal, especially at a young age. And and I think once he finally gets to fight Kambozas, now that we're done with the Triller thing, a lot of these distractions will be put on the wayside and we could see him do what he does in the ring. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. I think he's going to blast Kambozas. And then hopefully we get the Lomachenko fight next year. That's going to be a big rematch. And he's got to worry about that. He's going to have to, he's going to, have to worry about, you know, Devin Haney, Loma, Josh Tater, if he moves up. And, and, and to me, all those are great fights. So, and which I, I think are winnable for him. And, and once he accomplishes those things, I, I don't think people are going to care what his dad said or in 2017 and, and all this other stuff. You know what I mean? Actually, Diesel, those first three quotes I played were at the Canelo fight. Just let you. No, know. no, no, no. I'm talking about the, the last one you played. Well, that, yeah, when he called Canelo a bum, but when he was essentially saying that they motivated Canelo, that was the night that he had. Oh, I'm, I'm I mean, just, obviously, obviously, he's going to have a grander vision, right, uh, about it. But we're also going to talk about Mariso Suleiman, who I think is the architect of all this confusion and all these debates and all these things, because people have never debated who's undisputed. And we've always just known. And now it's a debate all of a sudden. And I think we cannot allow the WBC to pick and choose when a fighter is this or that. And, and like, why was it up to Canelo to say, no, I don't want franchise at 168. Well, why did he have to say, tell, tell it to him? Like, why is that a thing? You know? I mean, if Canelo would have chosen, if he would have said, yeah, okay, make me franchise, and he would have went through the same gauntlet, he just went in the last 11 months, we wouldn't be able to call him undisputed, right? And and I think Canelo is aware of the game. I think he's aware, obviously, of Diofimo. He's aware of the controversy. He's aware that many would not consider him undisputed if he took the, the, um, the designation in his weight class. So we're all just here to learn. But once again, Canelo shows everybody how he's turned haters into believers, you know, St. Canelo, ladies and gentlemen, shout out to El Maestro, okay, and uh, also Kenny T, El Ejecutor of HCP, I'm out of here. I like that, thank you, D-Style, D-Style, please drop the link as many times as you need to in the chat, I want everybody to go over to HCP Uncensored, or HCP Uncensored on G Funky Boxing, uh, that is it for us tonight. D-South, drop the link as many times you got to, bro. On everybody going out that way. That is it for Mano a Mano Live. I'm back tomorrow. Sucker punch. We're going to uh, dive into a power discussion about who really has the power in boxing. Is it the managers? Is it the promoters? Is it the fighter? What is the worker-employee relationship in boxing? You know, a lot of fighters have said that they are the boss. Are they really the boss? Or are they captain? Are they deluded? Maybe. I don't know. We're going to get into the weeds on that. That's tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern with Joe Habib. Kenny T, thank you so much. Uh, as always, this is your show, and it wouldn't be possible without you. I want to thank everybody 
who is there in the chat, who supported the show, all of the super chats, all of the comments, all of the submissions on the poll. I want to thank everybody. We'll see you all later. That's it. Take care. Bye for now.